Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast. I hope you had a great Christmas, and um, I hope you have an even better new year. And um, I'll just get straight into it today because we're talking to James Wilson on episode number 16. And uh, he's the founder of the MTB Strength Training Systems and Pedaling Innovations. He also owns his own pedal company, but we'll be mainly talking today about his strength training systems. Um, And I just thought it was fitting for this time of year. We've all probably ate too much over Christmas. We're thinking about getting a bit fitter um, for the new year, etc., etc. So I thought this was a good episode to uh, post now. Um, so James has been training everybody from the likes of you and me to a number of professional riders for a number of years. Um, he's best known as Bike James throughout the strength and fitness world and has a number of training courses aimed at everything mountain biking um so all very relevant to what we're all interested in and do so we talk about the training courses he has produced over the years which ones best suit you how you can get your hands on them and loads of great training information we also chat about his pedal company a wee bit at the end and why he's felt he's had to produce his own pedal and the reasons for doing that. So it's all very, very interesting. Um, but I just want to talk to you about something else. After chatting with James on the podcast, uh, we recorded this uh, a number, a good number of weeks ago. I got interested in what he was saying about how to train and what you should be doing to be a better mountain biker, basically. Uh, And to be honest, a lot of the things he said totally go against the way I have trained in the past. So it really opened my mind to how to think about training in the gym. Uh, Because I always would fall into the same old routine and do the same stuff. So I got to thinking and decided um, I would get my butt back into the gym. I purchased his ultimate MTB training program. I just thought I would have a go, see what it was like and let you guys know. So I just thought it would be good for you guys who are thinking of doing some out of season training, you know, to follow my progress, see how I feel, how it helps and my overall biking and fitness. If you're thinking of getting your fitness to a higher level or you just want to train better for mountain biking related fitness, then have a look at GM's training programs. Uh, all the links are in the show notes there, you know, and um, because he has a wide, wide range of stuff available uh, to suit everybody. Um, or just follow the podcast and see how I'm getting on with the program. I have also talked with James since that time, and he has agreed to come back on the show and talk about any questions I have regarding the training program, diet, getting on the bike, etc., every few months. What I will say is the course covers everything. It has an out-of-season training program, an in-season training program. It covers nutrition, supplements, recovery, mental training, skills training. It is everything. I've been doing the program now for around about three weeks. And I have to say, at the start, it seems pretty easy But I can also see how it is helping working the correct muscles and and getting me more supple and strong in the correct areas, something which I would never really have done in the past. Um, It is also very different to anything I have done before. So it did leave me sore. I definitely felt that I had worked out um, and I definitely know 
I had worked muscles that I have not in the past. So looking into the future training programs that, that you also get there, it will definitely get more challenging. So I, I am looking forward to that um, and I'm looking forward to how it, how it helps me on the bike. Now, let me just be clear here. I am not trying to sell you anything um, as far as the training programs go. Yes, you can go through the show notes on the links there and you can purchase the programs and you know it all helps it is an affiliate link so i will make a wee bit of, of um, a percentage of that sale but it helps me pay for everything that is required for this podcast so that would be awesome but i by no means am i you know doing this episode just to get you guys to purchase training programs what i want to bring you is something that will benefit you will help you and um, hopefully you know get you out in the in the bike more enjoy it more and, and that's why i'm here to kind of do that thing so i don't want to it's not a sales pitch by any means it's not a sales pitch so um just keep that in mind but i, I will be doing regular updates on it and um you know hopefully it will help me on the bike it will help me in from injury it will help me just enjoy myself better climb better you know better skills on the bike just all that kind of stuff. So I'll not blabble on too much more about it, but um, it's a great episode. You should listen to it. Um, James is a, a fantastic fella. Uh, and as I say, if you're keen to get on your bike, get get your fitness to a higher level, then have a look at his programs. He has something for everyone. Keep an eye on our Facebook and Instagram pages for updates on how I'm getting on with the training. Um, and let me just add that I'm in no way a super fit person. I get out on the bike on average once per week and i am only out for a couple hours so don't feel that this is too much for you if you're not hitting the trails three or four times a week it is definitely not um so have a listen and enjoy the podcast and thanks for being here folks i really appreciate it so please welcome to the podcast mr james wilson hi james welcome to the podcast thank you very much for being on mtb tribe i really appreciate you being here how are you today in colorado of all places man i'm doing awesome gareth appreciate you having me on the chance to come talk some about biking and training uh man the weather's beautiful here today it's a little on the chilly side but you know it's perfect for getting out and getting a good hard ride in and, and uh yeah, the weather's going to be turning here pretty soon, so I've got to get it while it's still good. Yeah, it's just not snowboarding weather yet, but it's getting closer. Yeah, yeah, it's actually, man, some of the mountains are starting to get snow. It's a, kind of an earlyish fall slash winter, so, um, but uh, yeah, no, down where I'm at here, the Fruita, like I live in Fruita, a lot of people have heard of that. It's one of the you know mountain biking meccas around mm-hmm. uh, here, and um, but yeah, around here, we'll be able to ride for another month or so in fact this is when it starts to get busy because all the people who uh you know are starting to get snowed on and their trails are starting to get snowed out and we're still good so they start traveling down here and uh setting up camp to ride so um but uh yeah it's good we got a ton of trails so glad people can come and enjoy them awesome awesome and for the audience listening you have your own website called bikejames.com uh, and yes. Then, yeah, and and you offer lots of mountain bike strength training videos, courses, programs, etc., um, which is all all really awesome. Um, but can you just tell us a little bit about your background, maybe first, and and how you get into mountain bike and how that that all started for you? Sure. Yeah. No problem. I uh, I, mean, I think like most uh, people, I grew up riding bikes. You know, just had a BMX bike banging around the neighborhood. Never gotten to 
racing or anything seriously, just jumping off curbs and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, got as I grew up and, and got into high school, uh, got into strength training and then got into track. And so that really kind of sparked my interest in using strength and conditioning to help improve performance because I saw what it was doing for me. You know, I was a skinny little kid and I wanted girls to look at me and I wasn't very fast and all of a sudden I was a lot faster. So it was like, oh, wow, strength training actually like really changes things on a lot of different levels. So that got me looking into being a strength coach and uh, eventually uh, became certified through a, a group uh, called the International Sports Sciences Association. And they were based in Santa Barbara, California. And so at the time, I, I got a job working for them, and I, I lived close enough to the office to be able to ride a bike. I didn't have a bike, and, you know, traffic was bad enough to where I was like, or just, not really traffic, parking, but anyways, I was like, I'm going to get a bike so I can ride, you know, I'm in Southern California, what am I doing here? So I, I go to the, the shop, and I'm looking at, at bikes. And I wanted to, you know, looking around, I see the mountain bike and, and I was aware of mountain biking. Um, and, but I mainly was like, man, that looks like a BMX bike. That, that looks like more like what I recognize, like road bikes just was like, what is that thing? Man, that thing looks like kind of, you know, just, I don't know. I like the mountain bike. So I went with that, even though I just planned on like commuting to work on it. And that's all I ever planned on doing with it. And then one day I got bored and I, uh, took it up and down a fire road behind Santa Barbara there. And man, I was hooked. Mm -hmm. And so with my kind of track cross country background, um, you know, the strength training, it was this like combination of all these things that I loved, you know, like I tell people that mountain biking is like if a endurance sport and an action sport, uh, you know, got together one night and had a baby that would be mountain biking because it combines <laughs> like those two elements, yeah. like almost no other sport in the world can. And so, yeah, I was hooked and I, so I just, uh, you know, mountain biking just got me right off the bat there from that first ride. But yeah, I was in my, you know, early twenties. Um, and I definitely, again, wasn't a natural rider. I mean, I remember wrecking off a curb, trying to jump off a curb, uh, reliving my, my days as a kid. And, uh, so I knew I had some work to do to get, uh, back to it and get better. And so just drawing all my experience with track and strength training, I knew that strength training was one of the fastest ways to improve uh, at a sport, especially a sport that I could just instinctively tell, required a good amount of strength and power and, and body control and stuff. You weren't just pedaling. You weren't just, you know, like road riding where you're just sitting on the bike. And, and a lot of it is, is how well can you pedal? There's a lot of athleticism and strength that goes into uh, trail riding. And so I started looking into programs to see what was out there. And I mean, it was really slim picking. I and mean, this is like the you know early 2000s. I think I got my first mountain bike in 2000. So and you, yeah, were, and you were living in California at that time, James? Were you? Yeah, in Santa Barbara. Yeah. Right. Is that where you're originally from? No, I was originally from. Uh, I was born in Oklahoma, which is probably mm -hmm. a place that a lot of you know <laughs> international people are like, where? Um, oh, but yeah, it's a state in the smack dab of the U.S. to the south, uh, right above Texas. So that's what we're best known for, for the, the Red River rivalry. Yeah, you know. But anyway, so um, that's where I was born. And I was actually moved all over the, the U.S. My dad just liked to move. But uh, yeah, I just ended up in California. So that's where I kind of got the, the mountain biking bug. But uh, 
but yeah, like I said, I was just trying to figure out how to get better at mountain biking and started looking into programs and couldn't really find anything. And, uh, so I decided to kind of start doing what I knew from my own experience and education as a strength coach. And, uh, eventually, you know, just one thing led to another, started training some other riders. And, and then one day I was sitting there thinking like, maybe other people will be interested in this. So I, Started a website in 2005, I think, is when I put the website, the, the original website up. And so, uh, so yeah, it just kind of grown from there. I, I still don't know where my first newsletter subscribers came from. I, I still remember, like, looking at, at this little list thing. Was, I think I was using a homestead.com website, like, mm -hmm. you know, way back in the day. And had a little newsletter app thing that you could put on it and, all of a sudden, I remember looking one day and being like, holy crap, there's like 10 people on there. I better write a newsletter. <laughs> and, uh, and so that's what started. I, I think I pretty much put out a newsletter, you know, at least once uh, every week since. So, I mean, honestly, like for 12 plus years, just every week been trying to, you know, share some sort of some sort of information, some sort of inspiration, just, you know, something that, that helps people uh, enjoy riding more, just learn how to really just enjoy life more. I mean, you know, a lot of what I try to get people to do is understand that, that you're not a mountain biker, you're a human being that rides a mountain bike. <laughs> and you know, that it's, it sounds, uh, like a subtle distinction, but it, and it is, but it's important. And it's like, you have to take care of the human being to be a good mountain biker. And so like kind of a little bit more holistic approach to improving as a rider uh, by incorporating things like I, I encourage people to incorporate walking and running into their routine and, and court, you know, the along with, you know, the strength training and the stretching and the things like that. But, um, a lot of learning how to use the things that you're getting off of your bike and learning how to use stuff to help enhance your time on the bike, um, is really what I try to help riders understand so they can enjoy riding for a longer period of time too. Cause that's, what's going to keep you, you know, that, that longevity aspect. Yeah. But, uh, Anyways, that's about it. And, yeah. and when and when you started kind of mountain biking in California, there was had you any mates you biked with? That was was what was the trail heads like then? You know, was there many trails to go on or? Oh yeah, Santa Barbara kind of network there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of funny. Um, it's it's really weird, man. If you ever read uh, um, Malcolm Gladwell's book Outliers, and he, he yeah, talks about that. how yeah, it's good. Great yeah, book, great book. yeah, it. it it's a great book, but the basic premise is like, look, you know, people who have achieved like a certain level of success by just by definition, they're outliers, you know what I mean? Because they're achieving something outside of the normal range. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you, there's, there's always going to be these things in an outlier story that you can't recreate, you know what I mean? Like, so you can't exactly recreate the life of, of, uh, Steve jobs and, and become the next Steve jobs. You know what I mean? There were just certain things that happened along the way that like, I was just unique to him and, and helped contribute to that. And so for me, one of the unique things for me was I actually started riding because I got into riding backwards, right? Like I bought a mountain bike to commute to work, not to mountain bike. Yeah. And then I started mountain biking and, but I didn't know anyone. You know, like, mm -hmm. it, it, because that's not why I got into mountain biking. It's not like I was like, oh, I'm going to go, you know, join my friends do it. So I'm going to do it or, or I'm really into it or, or something like that, you know? So, mm -hmm. um, so I didn't know anyone and I didn't have any riding buddies. So I actually spent a, a lot of my, uh, first year of riding, riding by myself, which in a lot of ways I actually think was a really good thing because, 
without knowing it, I didn't have a lot of these outside influences telling me things. I like yeah. for, you know, again, nobody, if anybody's ever heard of me, they just know it's a matter of time until clipless pedals and flats come up. But uh, that is one of the things, like riding by myself and not riding in a group. I didn't have the, the peer pressure. I didn't have people telling me, hey, you know what? You'll be faster if you ride clipless, you know, or, or something like that. So I didn't know any better. You know, I'm just I'm just like doing my thing, just having fun, you know, hey, you know, going and sessioning things. It's just I was just doing my thing. And it was like a it was it was a, a solo pursuit. I, I did eventually meet uh, a buddy uh, who, who became my first good riding buddy. But again, just as luck would have it, he was like an early free rider, like back when free riding was just, you know, starting to 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 break out of the dark corners. Um, you know, he, he was one of those guys, he was pounding around the, the, the hills, uh, behind Santa Barbara, um, on a, a old Kona stab with a, with a downhill fork on it. And, and again, I don't know any better. Right. So I've got a cross country bike. I don't know what a cross country bike versus downhill bike. Like ignorance is so much bliss in a lot of ways. Like I look back on those early days and I'm just like, God, it was so great. I didn't know anything. And I was just having fun. And I was just like trying and, you know, it was, it was great. But, uh, but he was on flat pedals too and and he's charging you know good climbing stuff and obviously charging on the way down and so i knew just also that like hey i can get at least as good as this guy without needing to rely on like you know clipless pedals but anyways it was kind of one of those weird influences um but yeah i i, I did eventually uh you know get get some some riding buddies and you know yeah we would go you know, doing shuttle runs and yeah, Southern California, man, is, you know, like even back then was um, probably more so back then than now, to be honest with you, because, man, in the early 2000s, there was still a lot of trails that today are, are gone because of development, uh, things that have been closed just because of liability issues and things like that. So, um, yeah, man, we I used to have a lot of fun riding. In, uh, in Southern California, but Santa Barbara's got some, you know, amazing riding. Again, I just didn't know any better. It's like super technical, very hard. I, I thought that's just what like mountain biking was like going over the handlebar five times a ride was normal for me because <laughs> it's steep granite rock, you know, and I'm like, you know, hundred millimeter stem, three inch travel fork, hardtail, you know, V brakes don't know any better, man. And I'm just yeah. trying to just having fun. And, uh, but that's when, you know, man, you like, you know, you go over that handlebars the first time and you slam hard and you get the, you know, the air knocked out of you and you're bleeding a little bit. And like, like that's the moment I think when you decide like there's, you know, you just say like, you know, screw that. And you go back and try it again. And you say, screw this. And you go home and you sell your mountain bike, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah. like there's that moment where everybody kind of decides like, am I a real mountain biker or not? And you know, whatever people are going to cringe at that term. It's like, well, who are you to say what a real mountain biker is? But you know, I do believe that a real mountain biker um, embraces the fact that they're going to wreck and they're going to bleed and they're going to get hurt. And it's just part of the process, yeah. uh, you know, so not well, not I, looking for safety. Always, everything. Yeah, I always say it's a contact sport, you know, it is. you're going to make contact with a tree or with the ground at some stage, you know. It um, is, yeah. You have so no choice. Comes, yeah, so it comes as, you know, if you sign up to ride a mountain bike and ride off-road, you, you got to sign up to that as well, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, that's just the way it is. But when you when you were starting uh, BikeGames.com, um, 
and that was growing. Is that something you do full time now, James, or is it still yeah, a part time well, issue for you? It, you know, it's it's been a uh, a, a full time part time thing for quite a while. Um, it was a like I it was a, a part time thing for a while. Um, I mean, I guess like when you say like part time, I guess like you know, it's always been my full time um, passion and mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, like that that's that's who I am. Like I'm a coach. Like I just I like I, I like to help people. I like to see that light go off where like they get it or or they do something that they never thought they'd be able to do. Like there's just there's no feeling like that in the world. So I just I love to help people and I love the coach. And so for me, like, you know, the bike James thing, um, like, you know, even when I had a training facility here in town and I was training fat loss clients, like I was never James, the fat loss guy. I'm always Bike James. I'm Bike James, the mountain bike coach. And I just had some people who came to me for fat loss because what I do is also effective for that too. But, um, you know, if you're talking like as far as like, you know, money wise and making a living, um, it, it, uh, it was a part-time thing for a while. And then there was a, a point where I was able to actually focus on it uh, exclusively for a few years and then uh, recently, you know, there's been the transition uh, with the catalyst pedal, uh, with yeah. that becoming the main focus for me, and and trying to get that uh, um, yeah. get get legs underneath that and get going. So uh, yeah. so bike James is kind of back to a part time thing. But I tell people bike James, like man, that's that's who I am. Like he's he's the unofficial spokesperson for the flat pedal revolution and, and like mm-hmm. so many other things. So that's that's always kind of gonna be there. Yeah, and I want to talk to you a wee bit later about your pedals as well, um, if we can go on. Yeah, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, yeah cool. And so just back to the Bike James uh, website and stuff, tell us a wee bit about when you started your courses on that, that website and how your courses were, you know, what the reaction to your courses were initially. Yeah, uh, my first, I still remember, my first program I put out there was called the Phase 1 program. It was like my intention to come out with, you know, a series. So like you'd have the phase one and then phase two and then phase three workouts mm-hmm. and you would just buy them. And, and so, uh, you know, that was my original first thing I ever put out. And, uh, man, I was mailing those out in, on, uh, you know, CD ROMs to people with, uh, you know, so, uh, yeah, I know, man. It's just like, anyways, it's just, I've been doing this for a really, really, really long time. Sometimes when I look back on it and I realize like how long I've been at this and how long I've been doing it and how many things I've seen come and go, both from just like the, the fitness side of things, the cycling side of things, and also just like, you know, being an online entrepreneur and, and, and that side of things as well. It's been pretty, uh, a pretty interesting ride. But, um, so that was my original one. And I, I, I can't really remember exactly how things evolved, you know, if I had some other ones in between then. But my I eventually I, I decided to come out with the, the ultimate MTB workout program. And that that is still my signature flagship workout program. It, it's grown into a full annual plan. Um, originally, it was a, a six phase uh, um, plan. And so, uh, you know, that is. Um, like I said, it's kind of the no holds barred, the, the best that I've got every, you know, for helping someone go from zero to hero on their mountain bike, both fitness wise, uh, skills training wise, like that's kind of another 
you know, interesting side thing for me is realizing like I had to start understanding skills coaching and skills training with mountain biking because again, all I'm doing, like it's just straight training is just a movement practice. Right. And so like the, the, the movements that you're using in the gym should, they're not different than the movements you use on your bike. They're just a little bit different variation on the same basic movements. And so by understanding how these movements fit together and how I can use a strength and mobility movement to improve something off of the bike and that how that's going to tie into helping someone improve a skill on the bike um, is really, I, I think, uh, a unique aspect to helping someone, um, you know, improve overall as a rider and, and something I've never really seen anybody else do with any of their programs. But uh, so, yeah, that one there is was the first one. And then, you know, it just, I think the next one I came out with was the dumbbell combos. I mean, at that point, the way I explain it to people is like, you know, look, if you're, if you're looking for, if you have access to a, a basic gym or you've got a, a basic at-home gym, you know, you've got some strength training experience, uh, you know, the ultimate MTB workout, like that's the best. You're not going to do any better than that. You know, if there's some butts at, the, at that point, that's where some of the other programs that I created come in. And that's kind of where I started making them was because people were like, hey, man, I don't have access to a gym. I just want something that I can do at home with some dumbbells. Oh, OK, well, here's the dumbbell conditioning program. At the time, I was calling it the dumbbell combos program, but it, I realized a lot of people don't know what the hell a combo is. So uh, it's part of the part of the program is where you're combining different movements together. So you're blending strength and endurance, which is very uh, you know specific to the demands of, of yeah. mountain biking. But anyway, so and then kettlebell training. Uh, I, I was one of the first guys to start using and introducing kettlebell training for uh, to mountain biking. It kind of makes me laugh how like everyone now is just like, yeah, the swing is you know like your attack position and blah 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 on the bike, and it's like. You know, I was the first guy to say that. I just, you know, I was the first guy to introduce, you know, swings and get-ups to mountain biking uh, on, on, like, a, a large scale. Um, I'm sure there were other trainers out there doing it, but, you know, I was the first guy putting out videos and articles and really trying to help educate riders on the value of kettlebell training and what it could do to help their riding. Um, and so it's been really great to see that, you know, expand like it has. Uh, but, you know, that's where the kettlebell conditioning program came in, you know, then the body weight training. So it's really like those other programs are kind of like, well, if you have some sort of equipment restriction, well, then this is going to be your best option. If all you got is dumbbells or all you got kettlebells or if all you got is body weight, you know, then you still got some options there. Um, and then because yeah, you offer, I think you have about 10 different programs don't you man there, there's a lot I, i've actually realized recently that i need to it's kind of one of those things that you wake up one morning and you're like jesus christ that thing has gotten fat and uh you know it, it's really not a matter of being fat as much as like there's a lot of programs right like i started out with the ultimate and now you're like i've got 10 and, and the thing is i got more than that i just only have 10 listed like i've created and come out with and promoted like probably well over 30 programs over the years and so, uh, you know, what I have on my list is kind of some of my, my basic, you know, offerings, my best sellers, if you will. But um, I need to just do a better job of organizing them and being able to communicate to people like, hey, if this is what you're looking for, then this is the program for you. So, you know, like I was saying, if, if you don't have any restrictions, you got the ultimate. If you have some equipment restrictions, you got this. If you, 
you know, you need a follow along workout program, all on P90X, but for mountain bikers, I've got my time crunch trail rider program series, you know, one using kettlebells and one using dumbbells where it's literally me working out with you. You know, I'm, I'm there on the screen doing the workout with you, taking you through it. Um, and so it's just literally press play and go. I've got, uh, some, some, uh, shorter workouts, like people that are really short on time. I've got 15 minute workouts, the 15 minute time crunch trail rider workouts. So, you know, again, it's, it's really a matter of just kind of better communicating to people. Like it's, it's like, Hey, what, what is your, what do you, you know, do you have a hurdle? Like, like you need to work out, you know, you need to work out, you know, do you have any hurdles in front of you? You know, if the answer is yes, well, okay, well, here's, here's how we get over that hurdle. Here's the program that's going to help you get over that. Uh, and if you don't have any hurdles, you do the ultimate because that's like still like, I mean, I put that workout up against like any workout for almost any sport really. But, uh, but anyways, it's, uh, definitely got the mountain biking. Um, what, slant. Does the, what does the ultimate one consist of James? You, you said it was an annual training program. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, you've got a six-phase uh, off-season program and a six-phase, which basically phase is like a four-week, so about a month. Um, so it's like a six-month off-season program and a six-month in-season program. And it just, you know, it's it's uh, it's a blend. Like, here's the, I actually put out an article a while back on, like, why traditional periodization doesn't work and, and what you should do instead. So it's kind of like, oh, you know, what do you, I've got a, a program that uses periodization it's like ah, yes and no it does but it does it from like a realistic point of view um it does it from like a, a more user-friendly point of view so it's, it's more like hey here's kind of our theme for this phase while we're still making sure we're addressing these other things that need to be addressed and then we have a you know so um but yeah it just it kind of walks riders through the you know ramping up from like hey you know early see early off season just kind of transitioning into the off season you know ramping up the training getting into the heavier more complex lifts uh things like that so it just it really just takes people the the progressions are really important like making sure that people are because I, I look at strength training like a martial art right like you got to learn you know this before you can learn the next move and then you've got to learn that before you can learn the next move and what we end up with is a lot of people who come into strength training and they want to skip like all the white belt stuff and just go right to the the most complex things so they want to go right to kettlebell swings for example but like in in the ultimate mtb workout program I don't introduce swings until like phase three or four of the off season program. You, you only spend a couple months, a few months doing them and you, and you spend just as much time earning the right to do it because that, that foundation that is, is what really you're looking for that efficiency of movement and uh, stuff like that. So what really I, I love is when I get emails from people because the first couple phases of the ultimate like they almost look too easy. Like that is a, a, a really common reaction that we get, especially from people who have straight training experience. And they come from like that, like, you know, if you're not, you know, puking on the floor and grinding your teeth every set, then you're not getting anywhere. And they look at the workout and they're like, are you serious? This is it. And I'm like, yeah, just do it, man. Just do it. And I almost every time I get an email back from them saying, wow, dude, you were right. Not only were those first phases way harder than they looked on paper because they were making me, they were putting me into movements and positions that I, I wasn't familiar with. And that's actually making me work harder 
then put a bunch of weight on myself doing something I am familiar with. So that, that neurological aspect comes in, which makes it way harder than you think. And then when you get to the later phases and you get into those harder exercises, you're like, oh, this is why we did all that stuff. Like I'm just as strong, if not stronger than I was before, but I feel way better, like way more connected, way less like, you know, injury potential and, and just I can feel it on the bike better. So like that's what it's really all about is like setting you up to, you know, to move better. And then, uh, you know, that's, you know, then it's just, you know, you know, gravy from there. But if you don't move well in the first place, it, you're really just, you know, putting the cart before the horse. So, um, so anyway, so that's kind of what, that, that's the basic approach I take with all my workouts. It's just with the, with the ultimate, because it's a six month workout, whereas the other ones are more traditional 12 week or three month, uh, workout. Um, I don't have quite as long to take people through as many progressions. So you'll still see the progressions through that. But like I said, the ultimate, I think is just, that's one of the real kind of secrets behind the success of, of people that use it is, is the progressions and how they really reinforce good movement and then how that translates to the bike. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And would you say that's by far your most popular program? It has definitely been my most popular program over the years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And and how can people get that, James? Can they download it online or do you still do, you know, hard copies? Can they no, yeah. Copies? Everything's digital now. Now we've gotten it's, it's 2017. People want stuff right away. So, uh, yeah, no, you, you, you can at bikejames.com. I've got the programs page where you can find it there, or you can go to ultimatemtvworkout.com and, uh, you'll, you, you know, be able to find it there as well. Um, but yeah, like once you get it, you immediately get access to everything. Um, and I have, that's the other thing is there's a lot of information. I know there's a lot of information. So th I think this is like the sixth version six or seven i'm somewhere up there because i'm never satisfied you know what i mean like as soon as i'm done with a program i'm like you know within two months there's something in there that i'm like i'm doing things a little bit differently now you know because i'm always learning i'm always trying to refine things and do things better and so uh by um so i'm always you know when i have enough then i'll i'll update the program and so that's one of the things i've done over the years is really worked on trying to make it as user friendly and as easy for for people to get into. So um, you know, yeah, it's uh, um, it's a lot of information, but like I said, it's it's, it's not that hard to get into. And I've, there's a lot of videos and tutorials and stuff to help you get started. Awesome. Well, talking about getting started in in training, um, I want to talk a wee bit about that somebody that's maybe coming into it really fresh. Yeah. Um, and it's just starting for the first time and what your courses cover and stuff. So what kind of advice would you give a complete beginner, say, uh, getting into shape uh, to help their mountain bike and fitness, really? Uh, what what program would you advise or what would you advise they, they do initially to just to get them going and, and get off the couch? Yeah, well, I do have a free 30 day, uh, you know, workout program uh, it's a great intro it's actually like one of the same one of the programs that i would use uh in my facility for new people when they came in and so uh that's the first thing i, I tell people is like man just go to you know go to bikejames.com you can sign up for the free 
uh, 30-day workout there. I've got other free, you know, free intro to kettlebell workout. There's all sorts of free stuff there that you can check out. Um, so like really that's the best thing is just, just get the ball rolling, you know, like, cause, cause even like on some level, uh, pulling out, um, you know, just having to pull out a credit card, buy something can be a hurdle. So it's like, yeah. man, I, I don't even want, I don't even want people to have to overcome that hurdle. Like just go to the site and get something for free and, 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 and start using it. Just get the ball rolling. Cause I know that once you start seeing the results, you'll understand like, ah, okay, this is worth investing in because, you know, I'm seeing results and I'm, I'm, I'm cleaning things, you know, getting up climbs I didn't do before, you know, be able to, uh, you know, clear technical things that I wasn't able to before. So, um, you know, and then at that point, if they're interested uh, in, in going into one of the paid programs, like I said, it really just depends, again, on just where are you at? Like if, if you have a gym and you've got some strength training experience, go with the ultimate. If you've got just a dumbbell or you want something just really basic to get started, um, cause that's the thing. A lot of riders don't have strength training experience. And that was something that took me a long time to get wrap my head around was that, uh, you know, just reading a, a training log was like a foreign language to a lot of the riders that I was, uh, was, was coming across. And so, uh, so keeping things really simple um, you know, was, was important with, with some of the, the other workouts, like the dumbbell, the dumbbell conditioning workout is probably the, the best one for someone who's just like, you know, brand new to, you know, never done strength training before, you know, new to riding, just looking for something really basic that they can use, uh, to get going. You know, that's probably like one of the, the, the best ones that I recommend to, to that kind of rider. But, um, again, though, man, there's a lot of free stuff on the, on the site that you can get that'll help you start it as well. So, yeah. And I think too, when people start mountain biking, they think that it's all cardio, you know, all high repetition, but you know, I, I can definitely say from experience, if you're doing strength training, uh, that's going to rip you in two as well. You know what I mean? That'll work on your cardio also because, you know, the heart's still pumping when you're doing strength training. And I think people look at it maybe slightly wrong and think, well, why do I need to be strong when I'm, you know, when I'm on a bike? I need to have good cardio. But I think the strength training almost does the two of them for you, does it not? Yeah, I know the strength training, um, it, it allows you, there's, there's a lot of different endurance benefits. Like, so there's, there's a lot of, uh, uh, I guess, the problem is in um, language, right? Like a lot of times we use words and, and a lot of confusion stems from somebody saying it, meaning it one way and, and other people hearing it and interpreting it another way. And so really as an athlete, what you want is not better cardio. You want better endurance. Yeah. And people are like, well, what's the difference? And that's the problem. Like, there's a huge difference. Like, cardio refers just specifically to, to your cardiovascular system and, and the strength of it. Endurance is how well you can endure during your sport. And the, car, the, the cardiovascular system is part of it. That's why you can't tell by a VO2 max score who's going to win a race. You can predict it. You can say you can definitely get an idea of who's going to finish near the top, but it's not always the guy with the highest VO2 max who wins. In fact, there's people uh, who's you know as, as athletes age, their VO2 max will actually start to decrease while their performance continues to 
increase. They're actually faster mm. with a slower VO2 max because it's not just the cardio system. It is the overall efficiency of your of the of the human being of the human organism for that task and so when you understand that you start to realize that well strength training and mobility training play a huge role in that efficiency aspect of it on on several fronts one of the things that riders don't really appreciate is that yes cardio is important but there's different types of cardio and one of the the terms i've coined is high tension versus low tension cardio. And you know, if, if you're a rider, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about when I describe this. Like low tension is when you're just sitting there and you're cruising along in a nice easy gear. You know, you're not really having a kind of there's just not a lot of tension in the body, right? But then you start to hit a climb or 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 something like that. And and now you have to kind of lock down a little bit in the core to create some more tension so that you can continue to to to, to drive the legs. And, you know, and then that super high tension, that really hard technical, you know, stuff where you're just like on total lockdown and you're barely breathing because you're just, mm -hmm. you know, having to work so hard that the muscular tension level is high. Like all of those represent different types of cardio. You know, your body mm -hmm. has to adapt to those different things, those different types of cardio specifically. And so if you're like straight training is one of the best ways to help your body adapt to the extreme high tension uh, stuff. Like you were saying, like when you do a set of five deadlifts and you're done, you are breathing heavy. Yeah, like anyone true. who's done that, you can't tell me that strength training doesn't have a cardiovascular element. And that's what it is. Your cardio system is responding to the specific demands that that high tension environment created in the body. Now, when you're on the trail, you have these high-tension demands. And this is one of the big differences between mountain biking and road riding. Road riders are generally able, they're very rarely forced out of like their comfortable tension mode. Very rarely forced into high-tension mode. They go into high-tension mode when they want to on their terms. Like if they're like, I'm going to stand up and pass this guy or I'm going to hammer up this climb, you know, but a mountain biker is the trail demands it of you. You know what I mean? Like you don't have a choice. Like some climbs, you just can't gear down low enough. You know what I mean? You're going to have to do it. And so you are forced into these high tension situations way more often as a mountain biker than as a road rider. And that's, a, you know, one of the many reasons that you can take an ultra fit roadie, put them on a mountain biker and they get buried by an average mountain biker. Because it's not just cardio fitness. There's so many other elements at play. And so the, the high-tension cardio uh, element is one. Um, the, uh, the, the ability to recruit more muscle fibers. This is another uh, thing. If you know, I actually look a lot more at running. Because running, track and field, man, those guys are way more on the cutting edge. I hate to say it, but cycling is one of the most archaic sports out there when it comes to like science and the application of, of it to our sport. Uh, if you really want to know what's going down, you look at track and field. Like those guys are like, like they're on it. Right. And so, you know, when you look at, uh, um, runners, um, you know, they know strength training helps. You'll find most runners do some sort of strength training. One of the reasons is because they found studies have found that when you're doing a cyclical, endurance sports so like running or cycling 
when you do have those times where you're just pedaling and you have those extended pedaling periods, the, the body, we uh, recruits different pools of motor units. So it's not, we used to think it was just high threshold and low threshold and, you know, or, or uh, you, you know, type one and type two, you know, the high endurance and the high power muscle fibers and the high endurance ones, what we're using when we're running and we're not recruiting those bigger muscle fibers. But that's not actually true. What they found is that the, the body will move around and it will recruit different pools of muscle fibers to allow other pools of muscle fibers a chance to relax and rest. And so the more muscle fibers that you have access to, that your body can recruit, the more pools of muscle fibers that it can use to rotate through letting other ones rest. And that's one of the primary things that strength training does is allows you to recruit more muscle fibers. That's why you can get stronger without necessarily getting bigger because like you have enough power, you have enough muscle power. Like we've heard the stories of like the mother lifting the car off their baby, you know, in a time of stress, like we have that much strength and power, but we have governors that are set in our brain to stop us from literally tearing ourselves apart if we accessed it. And so one of the things that strength training does is it helps reset those governors you know, and, and allows us to recruit more and more muscle fibers, which is one of the things that increases our strength without necessarily increasing our size and also has that added endurance benefit of giving you more muscle fibers to recruit uh, or draw from during your, you know, pedaling periods and stuff. So, um, so there's a lot of, of endurance benefits that you get from strength training and not strength training and just focusing on the other aspects um, just leaves a huge hole in your overall cardio, especially for mountain biking. Yeah. And, and James, what about younger people getting involved in it? You know, young guys wanting to get into the sport. Could they also use your courses, uh, to help them improve and get fitter and stronger? Well, yeah, I mean, strength training period is going to help you. I mean, you know, again, I know I'm just, I'm one of these guys, like I, I hope people buy my programs, but I also want people to take away from this. Like, I don't care whose program you use. You know, hopefully you educate yourself enough. That is one thing I will say. People should educate themselves enough. Like if you're going to strength train, then you should, you know, I, like do a little reading and, and, and educate yourself a little bit on some strength training principles so that you can tell if something is good or bad. You know, like it, it like don't don't just completely like because unfortunately there's a lot of bad trainers out there. And so that's why like, I try to I, I try to hope people trust me enough. Say, hey, man, I've done a lot of the work. I still encourage people to check what I'm saying. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I don't care. You know, just use strength training uh, to get stronger. But, um, but yeah, man, the, you're, you know, younger guys, I mean, I'm not sure how young you're talking. You're talking like, you know, teenagers. You're talking like 20-something-year-olds. What, yeah, what, well, what? I was, you know, I was thinking because I, I have had in past episodes there, um, I spoke to Callum McGee, who's, uh, a, a young pro and I was I was chatting to him about his early kind of career and when he was young you know when he was in his 12, 13, 14, 15 you know kind of stages was there any coaching behind him or any training or any diet advice and there wasn't really anything available you know uh, which surprised me to be honest because he's an elite rider he's, he's you know top notch um, but there was nothing really given to him along them lines so Young guys of that age, maybe maybe over here in Ireland or the UK, might have to, 
you know, do the research themselves, go and find people like yourselves, James, to, to get the knowledge behind mm-hmm. them to go and do some training. You know, they're, they're maybe just not told it by their coaches or even if they do have a coach. So aimed at young guys like that that are wanting to step up and wanting to become, you know, elite riders when they're 18, 19, you know, your courses, yeah. I think they would help. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, the bodyweight one is always a good one. I mean, I think the bodyweight training um, is one of the first places that anyone should start, and it's definitely a great way uh, for, you know, teenagers. I mean, I started, first of all, like, here's my take. We're going to talk kids for a second, which is, you know, kind of an interesting subject, but actually what I uh, enjoy talking about because I think that that kids – how to get kids into strength training and, and sports and stuff is and, and if you do it right, you can set them up for life. And if you do it wrong, you can ruin them. Right. And so I think one of the most important things with strength training for kids is um, kids should be playing. Kids should be doing things. I know in today's world, that's not necessarily always the case, but like, you know what I mean? Like preferably a kid is playing a couple sports throughout the year. He's, he's, you know, riding bikes, he's getting out and running. He's, you know, he's doing things, uh, you know, uh, at least up till like 10, 11, 12 years old, you know, um, just, just getting out and being a kid is, is enough, uh, yeah. for the most part and playing multiple sports. That's the other thing is like, don't specialize too early. If you want your kid to be a champion, uh, mountain bike racer, you know, don't have him just ride mountain bikes as a kid. He should be doing gymnastics. He should be doing uh, swimming. He should be doing track. He should be doing soccer. He should be doing you know, a lot of things that build different uh, physical skills because those are the things, if you look, a lot of the top riders, you know, they did a lot of different things. They didn't just focus on riding when they were kids. And you find that with a lot of top athletes in all sports, uh, that for every one Tiger Woods who grew up just golfing, you've got, you know, two dozen who, uh, you know, came from a more varied athletic background. And so um, I think that's important. When it comes to, you know, strength training, if a kid's interested before like 12, 13 years old, I'd say, yeah, you know, uh, take care of that interest, you know, uh, you know, fan that flame, but do it in a way where it's, it's more just kind of exploratory again, body weight stuff, crawling, you know, basic, uh, strength training exercises. Um, but again, not not necessarily a program. It's more just teaching them about strength training basics and and different movements. Now, once somebody gets to be about, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old, um, which is when I started getting more serious about strength training, um, then, you know, that's when you can start looking into a more structured program being a little bit more like, Hey, you know, you need to do it like this and, and, you know, watch your form on that kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, at at that point, again, you kind of got to take the temperature of the kid and if he's really into it, then, man, I, I've got kids that have done the ultimate MTV workout program. I mean, like, there are kids who are really into uh, into training, and, and they will, you know, eat whatever you put in front of them when it comes to that. But there's other kids that aren't, and you need to stick with something basic. So, again, like the, the dumbbell conditioning program or the body weight one are, are really good basic workouts, or even like the follow-along workout, if that, if that helps them. So it's really just kind of uh, – meeting the kid where they're at rather than trying to force the kid into your preconceived idea of where they should be at. Um, so, but anyways, that's, that's my advice. And when, you know, as far as like the, you know, the, the, the junior riding and stuff like that, it's, 
Man, it's a little bit of a double-edged sword because I'll tell you, like, we've got a high school league going here in the U.S., and I know it's not popular to say, but, uh, you know, it's not – I don't see nothing. I don't see all roses coming from it. I see one of the drawbacks coming from it. There's a lot of kids who are getting straight on the clipless pedals without ever really spending much time on flat pedals. And, again, like, going back to that, like, you know, letting kids, letting people kind of naturally develop outside of the – of the influence of the industry and stuff like that um, almost is kind of helpful in some ways because it allows them to, to kind of explore and develop what works best for themselves as opposed to trying to conform to what they're, they see and they're being told uh, by other people. So, um, so anyways, it's a, you know, it's a balancing act with it for sure. But, uh, uh, but yeah, that's kind of my, my thoughts and advice on it. Yeah, and is somebody starting to get into mountain biking games or or even who's been mountain biking for quite a while, what would you say the biggest mistake is that somebody would make while training? Um, what do people do generally which they shouldn't really be doing? Is there anything you see yeah, well, happening? Well, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got from a, from a, a strength coach when I was first getting into it was you want to take a look at what somebody does in their sport and then for their strength and conditioning program, you want to do the opposite. And it's like, you know, a lot of people are like, what? That doesn't make any sense. You know, but that's why, like, if you take, but if you think about it, it's like as an athlete, you know, you play your sport a lot and you get certain things playing your sport. So for example, if, if you're a mountain biker, you get a lot of cardio training on your mountain bike. In fact, it's the most specific cardio training that you can get. It's riding your bike. Like that's probably one of the like now that you mentioned like that is the biggest mistake that I see riders make. I was actually talking with uh, Ryan Leach on a podcast um, earlier this week, and, and we were talking about this. And that is it, man. It's it's that riders don't really appreciate their trail time as cardio training, and and they almost separate the two things in their heads somehow. And so they'll have trail riding, but then they also have to do cardio training. And then they don't have almost any time at all for strength training and mobility training. And, and the rationale is like, well, I need a lot of cardio on my bike. So obviously I want to do a lot of cardio with my training program because that's what I do on my bike. When the reality is, is that you, you want to do the opposite. That's what will give you the best results because you get so much cardio training on your bike that if you look at, you know, you, you don't get mobility training, you don't get strength training. Uh, even though there is a, some high tension elements, like I was talking about, those high tension elements are one of those things that you need on the trail. But the reality is, is you don't really use it enough on the trail to improve it significantly after a while. Like after your first couple of years of riding, like you've kind of developed this baseline level just from riding that just riding is not going to continue to improve. And so that's where doing like, like, uh, high tension cardio stuff as part of your training. So, you know, having sprints, uh, it's for like kettlebell swings, the combination drills, things like that. Like that's the kind of cardio, you know, small doses of that is what you want to focus on off of the bike, not more long, hard cardio, uh, you know, kind of trying to simulate riding. So really that, that's it, man. Trying to, you know, focusing way too much on cardio training off the bike and not not using their their on bike time properly. And do you think, James? Uh, you know, stepping up a level, going 
not professional, but if somebody wanted to step up a level and be, become fitter and be able to ride harder and longer, et cetera, et cetera, do you think that's the difference is the way they structure their training? You know, because here you would see guys, as you say, they're on their bike two or three times a week, and then when they go to the gym over the winter period, the first thing they do is kind of go on the bike in the gym, you know, when really they should be doing something that they can't get on a bike, like you were saying there. Do you think at a more of a pro level, they just have that dialed in? They just know what they're doing better? Because I know you have um, you have coached and trained a couple, you know, a few guys at that top level. Could you just tell us a wee bit about the difference between somebody like me who rides a bike twice a week if i'm lucky and somebody that's at that kind of elite level as far as training goes yeah yeah well there's a couple things there um going on and, you know one when you are talking about like for example i uh you know worked with eric Gwen when he first started riding and i mean that guy is just touched by the hand of god you know what i mean like mm. there's just there's and he's an outlier you know like going back yeah. to what we were talking about earlier like you cannot recreate Aaron Gwen's past you know, like he had a lot of things going on for him before he ever threw a leg over a mountain bike that set him up for for success. And then you, <clears throat> and then you add in just the the, the combination of physical and mental and stuff like that, the unique stuff that makes him him. So you have to realize that there are those people that, uh, you know, genetics and environment play a huge role in people's yeah, totally. success. And so you have to kind of take the pros with a bit of a grain of salt uh, when when you're looking at what they're doing versus what you're doing. You also got to realize that the, the pros don't always show you everything that they're doing, right? And so you usually get to see these snippets and these snippets are usually, like you said, these like gut-busting cardio training sessions on an indoor trainer or, you know, some sort of like super hard, like CrossFit style workout, or maybe they're doing some sort of like weird, esoteric, interesting looking exercise where they're balancing on this and waving this and this arms over there. You know what I mean? It's it, it, mm-hmm. stuff is selected for visual impact, right? And not necessarily to help educate the, the public out there on, hey, this is actually what we're doing and the best way to train. And so what you usually find, though, is that, you know, these guys are, you know, they're paid to train. So they've got all day to recover. Um, They've already, you know, hit the genetic lottery. They've already got things in their past that are helping uh, helping them along. And so the but the training stuff, man, they're doing a lot of this basic stuff like they do their deadlifts. They do their their uh, their basic exercises. You just don't see it. It's not sexy. So that's not like, you know, what the public sees. And so, uh, you know, and again, and like, you know, having worked with high level riders, like a lot of them are very secretive. Like they don't want, they're afraid that if their competition knows what they're doing, it'll somehow give them an edge or, or something like that. And so you find uh, at the high levels of cycling, a lot of riders are very secretive. So, you know, you don't even know if what they say they're doing is really what they're doing. And and yet, unfortunately, a lot of, you know, the public don't realize this. And we look at pros and we think that they are the ultimate. They're the pinnacle of what we're trying to achieve without realizing, like, no, that's a different species over there. That's like going to the zoo and looking at the gorillas and wondering, like, why you can't do what the gorillas do and look like the gorillas. You know, it's like 
there that's a different species over there for all intents and purposes so uh you kind of have to look at more like the everyday guy and, and what works for him and really that's who i try to speak to more with my stuff because again just over the years i've found that uh you know the pros it's more a matter of not hurting them and staying out of their way than it is actually helping them and with guys like you it's more about helping you like you need to improve things to move yourself along the road whereas like these other guys it's more like dude i just need to keep you on the road like you're there you know yeah so um so anyways yeah that's uh um you know kind of my advice with that yeah it's interesting it's an interesting topic how you just kind of go from being an average guy to be in the top level and as you say there's a lot of different elements involved in it for sure there yeah so, yeah yeah that's so. one of the things man working with the pros you, you really see that there's uh um a lot of different things man going on at that level that the the, the public at large just generally just don't know and they're not aware of and unfortunately it, it clouds their understanding of what is going on and then the, the decisions that they then make based on that but uh yeah man if people knew how tore up like everybody's all like oh the tour de france it's like dude those dudes are so tore up you know what i mean like you don't want to train like those guys you don't want to be those guys like those dudes are cripples when they get off their bike like they 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 travel with a team of masseuses and physiotherapists just to keep them put together to strap them on the bike the next day like that's not healthy like that's the other thing yeah. too. I, I guess you know, just to, to to touch on real quick is there's a difference between health and fitness. And you know, being fit means that you have a specific you know specific uh, attributes you know in a certain way for a specific task, right? So running a marathon, the fitness is different than than sprinting, right? Or downhilling, the the, the specific fitness is different than cross country riding. But fitness is not the same thing as health. Like health is your ability to like, you know, endure, like have, uh, you know, bend over and, and, and tie your shoes and, you know, pick up your kids and, you know, hang from a tree branch for like 30 seconds and your shoulders not uh, give out. It, you're just, just like, like basic things. Like these things are what keep you healthy and keep you able to enjoy life and ultimately be able to enjoy riding over the long run. And a lot of the stuff that the pros do man, it sacrifices health for fitness. And for them, it's worth it, right? Like, again, another example, like, you know, uh, you know, uh, NFL football is, you know, more popular over here than, than over in the UK. But, you know, I mean, you guys see it's, it's like freaking rugby, right? And it's like, I'm sure the freaking, a lot of the old rugby guys, man, you talk to them, and it's like they got busted up knees and, and elbows and, you know, things aren't quite working right. But, like, for them, it was worth it, right? Because they got paid to do it. Like they had their moment of glory. Like, yes, that was worth it, you know. But uh, for your average mountain biker like you, man, is like sacrificing your lower back and your knees to get an extra 10 seconds on your Strava KOM. And then then like when you're 50 and 60 years old, like you're paying for that. Is that worth it? (laughs) Definitely not. It's not. I've I've played American football in the past. I'm a big, big Bears fan. Okay. already my knees are suffering yes well that's the deal right like you ask any nfl running back like hey man how are your knees and they'll be like terrible was mm-hmm. it worth it and like a lot of them be like yeah you know 
But a lot of them be like, no, you know, some will be like, no, it wasn't worth it. But that's the deal. And I think that that's what we don't communicate well, especially to the, the young riders that that are coming up. That it's like, man, look, like, yeah, you're 20-something and you're fucking charging now. But, dude, you've got a long way ahead of you. And, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to sacrifice, you know, your your health down the road for you know trying to emulate these pro riders when you don't have a chance of being a pro like i tell people like if you're not paying your mortgage based on how you ride you're not really a pro like just because you got a pro license and you race some pro races that's not the same thing when i say it i mean you're a professional someone who's earning a living based on what they're doing so if you're not earning a living and, and you don't have a legitimate chance of earning a living and or representing your company or your country at like a national or international level, like in my opinion, it's not worth it. And you really want to try to balance the stuff that you're doing to improve your riding with keeping an eye on things that will keep your health in check and make sure that you're able to, to function well and enjoy life later on. Yeah, no, totally. And, you know, I would I would train mainly from, from the perspective of, when I'm out mountain biking, I enjoy it more. Yes. You know, it, it's not like a workout as such. You go you go there and you have good fun with your friends. You enjoy it. You come home. You recover. You're fine the next day. You know, it's not a workout. Whereas if you're not fit and you're not doing something, you know, off the bike, when you go out on the bike, then it is a workout. And, you know, you're thinking to yourself, do I really want to go out the day because, you know, I'm going to struggle or whatever. But if you train outside of it and when you go and do it, you enjoy it a lot more and it becomes more enjoyable and it just makes you want to do it more and more. Yeah. 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 No, man, I agree. Like that, that's the thing I tell people is like, once you kind of, that is the hardest part, especially, you know, with the strength training is those first, you know, two to three weeks, man. It's like, if you, if you can just push through those first couple weeks, man, just get the momentum going. It's like, like, you know, old Newton's law, body at rest tends to stay at rest until acted upon by an outside force. But once it's in motion, it tends to stay in motion. It's that, it's that initial inertia that you got to overcome. And once you get past those first two to three weeks, that's when I finally, like, you know, about the end of that third week is when people start to notice things on the trail. And like, like, you know, really noticeable things, not like, oh, wow, I kind of feel a little bit better. No, that's not quite hurt. It's like, it's like, oh, whoa, like that feels different. Like I'm riding differently. And like, that's what gets them hooked. And for me, you know, I, it sounds funny coming from a strength coach, but like, I don't necessarily like to train. Like I joke around and tell people, like if they came out with a pill that I could take three times a week, that would give me the same uh, results. You know, I might do it like. I like playing. I like riding my bike. I like doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I like going for hikes with my kids. You know, I don't necessarily like – there's an element I do like. Don't get me wrong, but it's not, you know, it's not like top on my choice, my list. Like, yeah, let's go to the gym and work out. But what it is is like when I start to slack, I feel it. I'm out on the trail and I'm like, oh, dude, this shouldn't be so hard. Or I'm, you know, hiking with my kids and I'm like, ah, oh, I'm a little more winded than I should be. Like yeah, physically and mentally. Yeah. Yeah, man. And that's what gets me motivated and gets me back in the gym is starting to see like once you taste it and it starts to get taken away from you, that it that's it's so much easier to stay motivated and do that than if you've never tasted it in the first place. And so that's really the hardest part is for people to just man, stick with it long enough to start to taste it 
and man, then you get hooked. And then it is so much easier to keep it going and everything's so much funner. And, and, you know, again, I was talking with, uh, you know, with Brian Leach and I did a podcast earlier this week and that was one of the things that, uh, you know, I we're talking about the podcast anyways. Um, we're talking about like, you know, having fun on the bike and people are like, well, I have fun on the bike already. And I'm like, I know, but there's levels of fun that you don't even know exist because you physically can't yeah. access them. Like, I know you're having fun. I'm not trying to discount that, but there's so much more fun to be had on that bike, man. And all you got to do is just, you know, devote a little bit of time to taking care of that meat wad that drives it. And, uh, you know, you, you'd see it. So, um, but yeah. Very good. Um, so let's um let's talk a wee bit about the catalyst pedal because i know you um are very very motivated behind that and passionate about it um is that your design james did you come up with that and, and why did you think you had to you know make a pedal what was your reasoning behind that yeah yeah well um it really uh was a combination of things there's a uh there's a book that uh, I read called Where Good Ideas Come From, and in it he's got this idea uh, he calls the the adjacent possible. And, and it basically refers to like when you combine a different, a unique set of skills with a unique education and a unique perspective, and, and just all of a sudden there's this unique way of looking at the world that, that you have that no one else has because all these things are kind of combined at this intersection and you're able to peer over the edge of that intersection and, and see what's possible. And that's kind of what happened with the catalyst pedal because like it was a combination of my, my background as a strength coach, especially a strength coach who's into barefoot training and barefoot running and, you know, uh, really looking at, at how the foot functions and, and respecting the foot and making sure that we're uh, getting it strong and functional along with the rest of the body. Um, and then also as a mountain bike coach, uh, several years ago, I started digging into the science behind clipless pedals because I wanted to start creating programs that would enhance what they do. I was working with the Yeti World Cup team and, and Aaron Gwynn. And so I was like, you know, I, I need to figure out exactly how clipless pedals work so that I can start to, you know, make better programs to enhance what they do. And that's when I started. Are you riding, sorry, were you riding flats I, at this time? Yeah, I was riding flats. I, I again, there's, there's a, uh, you know, semi-famous story on the internet uh, of, of what happened. But I, I spent... Um, I spent probably about six weeks trying to get used to clipless pedals, uh, riding them, uh, you know, to and from work. And I, I mean, I got out and spent, I dedicated time, man, like, you know, going out and, you know, getting in and out of the clips and just trying to feel comfortable with it. And I could never quite feel comfortable with my left foot getting in and out, you know, like, like quickly. And, uh, mm-hmm. You know, I had the Shimano SPDs and had them set loose and all that stuff. I just, just my left foot, that, that twisting motion just, you know, wasn't feeling real natural. And so I was never really brave enough to go on the trail because, like I told you, man, like I'm going over the bars like five times a ride. Like it's really rocky <laughs> technical stuff. And I'm like, dude, I, there's no way. I can't. So I, I had the old Shimano uh, DX, like the, the, the downhill one. So they had a cage around the SPD. And so I was actually out there in my tennis shoes. I would go trail riding in tennis shoes, riding these things. And then I would ride the the clipless shoes around town because I'm trying to get used to them because I was afraid I was going to fucking kill myself if I tried to ride these things on the trail. 
And so, you know, I had spent, you know, all this time. And so I'm, I'm riding uh, actually with the, uh, my girlfriend at the time is my wife now. And we were cruising through town and we're pulling up to a stop sign. And I see the thing coming. I know I got to get unclipped. I'm trying to unclip. My foot won't come out. I fall over. Yeah. It's like, this is bullshit. You know, I would have died if that would have happened to me on the trail. So I went home. I took the things off. I went to the store. I got some some uh, Primo pedals, some like big blocky flat BMX pedals. And I was like, you know what? I, I told you I had that buddy that rode flats, and he was doing fine. I was like, I'm going to ride these until I know it's my pedals and not me. Like I knew I still sucked as a rider, right? So I was like, I got a lot of work to do myself before I need to start worrying about my pedals. And I was like, when I get to the point where, where I know that it's my pedals that are holding me back, then I'll make the switch. And I never got to that point. I just kept, you know, but I still in the back of my mind was always thinking like I'm losing something. You know, I got to pull up on the backstroke and there's these, you know, I'm still losing. Like even though my experience was telling me like, dude, I'm riding fine. I'm getting better. I'm out climbing people on clipless pedals. Like I, if someone beats me, it's not because of my pedals. It was because they were a better rider. And, uh, so, so anyways, no, I wasn't riding clipless, but I had, I, I still was under the same mindset of like, you know, clipless have this advantage over flats because of the ability to pull up on the backstroke. And, and I didn't really know why, right. We, we just are told yeah. this. And that's why I started researching the science behind it because I'm like, like, what does that exactly mean? Like, how do they really work? What does the science really say so that I can know for myself so that I can create, you know, better programs? And that's when the Twilight Zone started happening. And I start digging into it and I'm like, dude, there's nothing. There's nothing. Like, not only is there no science that supports what clipless pedals claim about their their, their better efficiency and power and, and pulling up on the backstroke and ankling and all of these things being necessary – there's science that points in the opposite direction. There's science that says that that's not what you want to do. And so it's really kind of crazy that like this science exists and most mountain bikers and most coaches don't know it exists because it doesn't tow the party line. It doesn't, you know, it was really odd, man. As I get into it more, I've had conversations with, you know, top level riders, man. Like, uh, I was talking with Jared Graves about this one time and, and, uh, he's like, yeah, it's like, you know, couples puddles aren't that big a deal. They give me like maybe three or 4%, you know, but like his attitude was like, you know, dude, you give me flats, I'm still going to beat the shit out of everyone. Like it's not the pedals and, mm -hmm. you know, but that's not the impression that the average rider gets, right? Like the average rider gets the idea that these pros are getting like 10, 20% improvement in, you know, in performance, you know, from these stinking things. And so, uh, so anyways, it was, it, I started getting into the actual science and movement principles behind the stuff and, and became like a really big flat pedal advocate to help people understand the truth behind the pedal stroke and how flats can actually help you. And so that was where the flat pedal revolution manifesto came from, uh, which I don't even know how many years ago I came out with that. But anyway, so I've got these two backgrounds right these two unique things going on where i'm a strength coach who does barefoot training on this side but i'm also a cycling coach who's doing all this research into the science of the pedal stroke and stuff like that on this other side and these two things came together on the trail one day when i was out there and i was like man why don't i need stiff sole shoes 
on my bike. Why can't I go in the gym and I'm barefoot and I can lift hundreds and hundreds of pounds and my feet are fine. They're plenty strong and stable and balanced, but I get on a bike and they turn into a weak, unstable mess. Like what the heck's going on? And literally a voice out of nowhere goes, it's because the ground supports both ends of your arch. And like, it was like, that was it. That was the, that was the inspiration. I was like, that's what it is. Like the arch is one of the strongest forms in nature, but only if you support both ends of it. So mm -hmm. when you only have one end of the arch of your foot supported, the back end is, is unsupported. You can have a stiff soled shoe, but that's not the same thing as having something underneath it supporting your heel. Your, your brain recognizes the difference. Like even though to us, we're like, well, what's the difference? Like dude, your brain recognizes the difference. It does not act the same way in that environment as it does as it, it, if it feels support underneath the heel and mm -hmm. you know, the front and the back of the arch of the foot. And so that was the inspiration. Like that's why when you're in the gym, you know, the trainers yell at you, don't come up on your toes. Well, why? Well, I can't use my hips as effectively. I'm putting all this stress on my knees. You know, well, the same thing happens on the bike. And, you know, this whole idea of like needing it for agility is freaking BS too because your foot is not coming off the pedal, right? It's not running and walking. You only want to push through the ball on your foot if you're breaking contact with what your foot is on. If it's not, you want your foot to remain balanced so that you can drive and, you know, through the, the arch, the whole foot. So this is why you see surfers and skateboarders. Like if you look at their foot position, why aren't they balanced on the balls of their feet? If being on the balls of your feet was made you more agile and, and was better for you, then that's what they would be doing. But they're not. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, and, and, you know, I have a whole thing. Like there's a whole podcast I did called the Midfoot uh, Manifesto where I went into the science and, and shot down all the dumbass analogies like the soccer player bouncing on his toes and the wrestler and like all these stupid analogies that got nothing to do with mountain biking. And if you actually look at the scenarios and break them down, you see that those people use a combination of a ball of the foot and flat-footed positions. And you never find an athlete that's being asked to stay exclusively on the balls of their feet the entire time they're doing something except for cyclists. Right. So it's, it's, it makes no mm -hmm. sense from anything except from a tradition standpoint. So that was the inspiration for the catalyst pedal. And yeah, I just came off the, the hill that day with the idea realizing like, man, you're going to have to be the one to do it because like the bike shop guy's not going to push this. This goes against everything he's been telling people for the last 20 years. The industry's not going to embrace it because again, it goes against everything that they've been telling people, which is basically a lie. Uh, for the last 20 some odd years and you know people would rather eat glass than admit that they were wrong especially when they're making how who knows how many how much many millions of dollars is the clipless pedal mm. industry worth to the cycling industry you know and yeah. if the truth came out that it was all based on bullshit it's all based on bullshit it's flat earth theory people if you believe that you need to pull up on the backstroke and that you need to be on the ball of your foot when you pedal, that's flat earth theory. There's as much science supporting that as there is supporting the flat earth theory, guys. So, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's really uh, kind of crazy how the cycling industry has managed to convince everyone uh, that these myths and lies and half-truths are, are you know, the truth. But if you look into the science, the science is there, guys. It's all there for everybody to look at if you're actually really curious. But uh, you can draw your own conclusions. And when you look at the science, that midfoot position and optimizing that midfoot position 
is really what you want to do. So that's what the catalyst pedal does by it gives you a uh, five inches of contact space from front to back. And it's no wider than a normal flat. So it's not sticking out the side to catch rocks because you don't need, you don't need it wider. You need it longer to get both ends of the arc supported. And so, uh, again, just, People have been coming at the problem wrong, and you, you realize, too, when you ride the pedals, like a lot of the stuff that you thought you needed clipless pedals for was just bad, flat pedal design. Like your feet don't roll off the pedal when you have an even transfer of force into both ends of the pedal. Uh, mm. You know, yeah, that's – I was talking – I was at uh, a college, the CMU, doing a talk last night. And, you know, I was talking with some of the, the engineering students, and it was funny. I'm like, if I walked into your engineering class and I said, okay, I'm going to propose a problem. I have a platform that rotates on an axis. I want to apply force into this platform. What would be the best thing to do? A, try and put one pressure point in the center and perfectly balance it over the axle. Or B, put two pressure points on either end. Which one's going to be the better way to go? The two pressure points on either end all day long. Mm -hmm. From an engineering standpoint, that is by far the most efficient way to transfer force into a rotating platform. What is a pedal? It's a rotating platform on an axis. And they're telling us that the most efficient way to transfer force into that thing is to try to balance one pressure point over the axle. That's not engineering, folks. That makes no sense. But anyway, yeah. it, it's, it's hilarious, man. Wow. <laughs> It's a huge, it's a huge podcast episode all by its own, isn't it? <laughs> oh yeah, I mean it, it, it's crazy, man. I've got, I do, I could go on for an hour on this stuff because it's, it's really crazy how it, it blows my mind, man. I, I've talked to high level coaches, you know, people who who've gone to university, who have their, you know, certifications from USA Cycling and all this place and that place. And, and I mentioned, like, well, you've seen the more known course studies that talk about pulling up on the backstroke, producing less power, and being less efficient, right? And they're like, no, I've never heard of this. It's like, how do you make it through this much education in the cycling coaching world without ever having been exposed to that study unless it's trying to be buried? You know what I mean? Like, what other explanation mm -hmm. is there other than the fact that the cycling world at large is just doing a stick your head in the sand moment and let's try and pretend like this science doesn't exist. Uh, but it does. And eventually the truth will come out, but yeah, it's flabbergasting to me, man. And, and where can people find out more about that, James? Have you got links to stuff like that on your site yeah. and your pedals are there can they purchase the pedals from your site and stuff yeah there's a link on bikejames.com there's a link on the sidebar you'll see a, a little banner ad for uh, the catalyst pedal or people can go to pedalinginnovations.com and uh but uh, in either one in, in either website you'll find the flat pedal revolution manifesto or just google it and find it but in there you'll find all of the science all of the stuff that i'm talking about and again, like I, you know, one of the things I get accused of, which cracks me up because, you know, the people, oh, you're just cherry picking stuff. And it's like cherry picking implies that there's other things that I'm not sharing. You know what I mean? Like, like cherry picking mm -hmm. is not, hey, this, all of this evidence is goes against what you're saying. And that means it's cherry picking. No, I looked at all of the evidence. This is it. This is what it says. There's not other studies out there that say something different. There's not other science out there that goes against what I'm saying here. It doesn't exist. So it's not cherry picking. Like what I have in the Flat Pedal Revolution Manifesto is what is out there. 
And I, and I have an open challenge. Like I always tell people, like, I don't really care. I'm just interested in the truth. And if you have something else to share, I encourage people, share it. Like, I want to know the truth. I don't really care either way. But everything that I've found over the last, like, you know, five, six, seven years of researching this in depth, all of it points in one direction. Every single thing. I have not found one single thing that points in the other direction and suggests that what we're told about, you know, clipless pedals and the need to pull up on the backstroke and be on the ball of the foot having any validity at all. So it's crazy, dude. It's a wild thing. Like people, you know, conspiracy theory may be a little heavy of a term, but I, it really is like, dude, what other word can you use when an entire industry is turning a blind eye to science simply because it threatens the status quo? Yeah, it was very interesting. And if anything, it'll get people reading and making up their own mind. I hope so, man. That's, so that's good. And Don't believe yeah. me. I could just be some quack on the internet. But do your own <laughs> well, research. Well, I'll put links and stuff. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Do your own research, for sure. I'll put links and stuff on the show notes. Excellent. So people can access that yeah, yeah. Um, a wee bit easier and just makes things simple. But yeah, um, I don't want to take too much more of your time up, James, but is there anything else in the future coming up as far as um, Bike James goes? Is there any new programs coming out? And I think that I know you're always kind of trying to update all the time, but is there anything in the near, near future? Yeah, I mean, one of my new big passions has been Indian club training and steel mace training. Uh, I've been into that for about two years now, and uh, that's completely changed my my overall training and and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so the uh, the maces and Indian clubs are, you know, they're 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 kind of like it's funny. Like the the kettlebell is actually the new kid on the old school block. You know, like like the the Indian clubs and the maces go back like thousands of years. And whereas like the, the kettlebell was literally uh, a Russian thing, they use it to weigh crops. And, you know, uh, a few hundred years ago, somebody decided to pick it up and start, you know, doing some stuff with it and it turned into an exercise tool. But, uh, you know, so it, they, they have a much longer history than the kettlebell does. And one of the things that I, excuse me, I really love about them is the, the shoulder uh, strength, like uh, and mobility that you get from them, um, the wrist strength and mobility that you get from them. They they've just done like wonders for my neck. Uh, just as far as like from just you know, dude, we live you know if you live in Western society, you probably sit too much and freaking spend too much time on a computer and stuff. And so you know, I was having some pinched nerve issues, and so you know, despite doing all the quote unquote right things. Uh, with with stretching and mobility and stuff like that and so i found the the indian clubs and maces really plugged a huge gap uh in my upper body fitness um that i didn't realize that i had until i started training with those things and so yeah i've been really getting into those and encouraging people to get uh you know to check those out more so i kind of see that as the the next kind of evolution i guess if you will is me starting to uh, come out with more programs and stuff, utilizing the Indian clubs and steel maces and trying to encourage riders to, to check them out more. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, that's kind of, kind of been, yeah, that's awesome. thing. 
That's very interesting. And and how can people best get in contact with you, James? Uh, just through your website? Or yeah, yeah. The, social media or anywhere like Yeah, well, bankjames.com. You'll find me there. You'll find that's my website. You'll find me there, uh, Instagram. Um, I think I'm MTB Strength Training Systems is uh, the, the that's the name of my company. Bike James is kind of my, mm-hmm. it's funny. Like I had MTB Strength Training Systems as my website forever. But uh, we got that channel here in the U.S. MTV, and everybody kept thinking I was saying MTV straight training systems, and they're like, "What are you training people to be on reality TV shows? Like, what do you mean?" <laughs> so I, uh, I I started using the URL bikejames.com just because it was easier to tell people and easier to remember without realizing that Bike James would kind of take on a persona of its own uh, yeah. over time. But um, yeah, bikejames.com. But yeah, MTV Strength Training Systems. You can find me there on Facebook. Uh, but uh, yeah, the bikejames.com is probably the best place to start. You can find links to our other social media channels and stuff there. Uh, sign up for the newsletter. I try and send out, like I said, at least one, you know, newsletter. Usually two or three a week, sharing you know different exercises and training tips and motivation and stuff like that. So. Uh, and that's all free. That's all, that's all free, awesome. man. That's yeah. All free. Yeah, yeah. So brilliant. Yeah, I know, man. I've had so many people tell me over the course of my career, like I give away way too much stuff for free and maybe I do, but, uh, like honestly, I'm just trying to help people out. Like that's my, that's my goal is, uh, help riders out. I mean, I tell people like, I just, I want to provide the resource that I wish I had when I started riding. Like I wish when I started riding and I typed in, you know, straight training for mountain biking, bike chains had popped up and I could have just, gone to him instead of having to do all of this myself so uh yeah i've, I've done a lot of leg work and you know learned a lot of the hard lessons and just try to share those things with people uh so yeah yeah but that's uh bikejames.com is the best place to start james brilliant it's been absolutely awesome having you on the uh, podcast and you're totally full of information so we'll maybe have to get you back <laughs> on some other yeah side. for sure you know talk about a few other things uh we didn't even really touch on diet or recovery or anything like that but that's maybe something for the future yeah, man, no. because i'm sure that's i love talking training man just set me up i'll come on anytime yeah no that would be awesome that would be awesome well maybe do maybe do something coming back into the summer or something when guys are starting to get back on their bike how to best go about something like that or maybe touch on something like that that would be good yeah yeah for sure so thank you very much i really appreciate it. it's been awesome and oh i i, I better say that um we were kind of set up by a friend of mine, Louis. I <laughs> wanted to mention on the podcast. Yeah, Louis. <laughs> yes. So Louis set us up. So thank you, Louis. I appreciate that. Um, so so that's brilliant. So thanks very much, James. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate you having me on. All the best. Take care. All right, you too. Okay, folks, that's the end of that one. I hope you really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed talking to James. And I must say, I have enjoyed his program so far from what I'm doing. Um, so as I say have a look at his website his links are in the show notes there you can contact him via the links in the show notes Um, he he is a great guy he does get back to emails and stuff he is very hands on very into customer care and and looking after um, his customer base so um, you you could ask him any questions there that, that you want and just for future reference I have talked to him a wee bit about coming back on chatting about my progress through his training programs and stuff so he's going to do that he'll be on the show again i'm also going to get him on to talk about his pedals 
because I think that's very interesting and he's so passionate about that it's unbelievable now I know his pedal has just won a couple of awards there quite recently so um, we'll get him on to talk about the, the flat pedals and uh, get a wee bit more into into depth on that on that issue because we all know it is a bit of an issue in the mountain biking game so um, we'll chat to James about that that'll be a great episode so folks thank you very much for listening I really appreciate you being here and as I say go to the website www.mtb-tribe.com you can comment and stuff there you can subscribe and you'll get some more info on to what's happening throughout the week and um, so if you're an iTunes user please rate the show five stars is always awesome and helps me very very much Um, if you're an Android user go to Stitcher we're available from Stitcher you can listen to the show via there or you just go to the website and listen to the show straight from the website so thanks very much folks I appreciate you listening to the show and um, I will chat to you next week Uh, by the way we have a different show next week it's coming from East Africa. So I've been chatting to a number of people over in Kenya just about the mountain bike scene there because I know it is starting to get very popular. I know South Africa is already very popular, but East Africa is starting to grow. So I've got a number of episodes coming from there. So the first one will be next week. So I hope you enjoy that. Tune in. It'll be awesome. Thanks very much again. Have a good weekend, folks. Have a good new year. Speak to you soon.